family up back here, Chase, Brittany, and their two children, Emery and Easter. And uh, just blessed, dear friends of ours. We met them um, at the adoption orientation because they adopted Alessandra. So Easton and Alessandra um, are our babies. We received them just two months apart, so they've been with us. And I want to I want to say something just funny here for the record. I've got one person on planet Earth, talk about humbling yourself, who calls me Joey. One. That's my 87-year-old grandmother to this day calls me Joey. Well, now there's two. And Emery, Emery, raise your hand back there. Raise your hand, Emery. <laughs> That's Emery. She calls me Joey just for some some reason. So I thought that was funny. So now I have two people on, on the planet who call me Joey. And no one else is allowed to call me that. No one. No one. My grandmother and Emery, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to tell this, because it just makes me cringe. You know, it just makes me cringe. All right, anyway. So the church that Jesus began building is the church he's building today. That's the reason we're looking back at the teachings of the apostles from the first century church. That which is in writing, authorized by God, right? The infallible word of God is here telling us what that church looked like and what it will look like. Because he hasn't changed his plan, right? We've changed our plan in many ways in the American church, but he hasn't changed his plan. Right? And he's not apologizing for changing our plans. He's not apologizing because he cares for us. And he understands that when the church is set in order and functioning properly, it'll have its cosmic effect, which is what we're going to talk about today. The church will have its rightful place on planet Earth when we are established and ordered, right? Properly structured according to his design. Right? And exhibiting all the gifts that he gave when he ascended to the Father and gave birth to his church. On in Acts chapter two, that wasn't a fall down fest. Right? We've we've erred in America at many times. Most most of the time we've erred in America when God has poured out his spirit, in one way or another. In one primary way, we have erred in America, E-R-R-E-D, right? We've been wrong. Is God has poured out his spirit and we've turned it in upon ourselves and merely enjoyed a move of God in America. And that's not the end of the game. It's not about our personal enjoyment, although it's enjoyable when God moves, right? And people are getting saved, healed set free, you feel the presence of God in an experiential way, right? God's moved at different times even in this community. But it's unto establishment, it's unto people getting saved and set into the body of Christ, in place, free and functioning. So that's, that's what we're after in talking about this. And we see God doing this in our lives together, right? I think every one of us in this room has some talents that we're not just going to share, right? Give the high five on Sunday, 
not talk at all throughout the week or live life together or bear one another's burdens, right? We, with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. But we are dedicating our lives to the first century realities, not the Stoics of yesterday, living life together. No one's an island unto themselves, right? No one's detached from the body of Christ. And if they are in love, we go to them with compassion and care and zeal saying yesterday, we're not saying this all the time, but we're aiming in this direction in all of this. Amen. All right, so we're going to just kind of look at two chapters to wrap up the church corporate covenant and what that looks like today. So we're going to look first at Ephesians chapter 3 and just We've heard this a million times, but we're going to hear it a million more because it's the word of God and it never grows old. So Ephesians chapter 3, this is really what we're talking about today and in everything we're going to be talking about. This is God's plan. This is profoundly mind-blowing. Hold it up for one second, right? Ephesians 3, verse 9, Paul says his ministry was to bring to light the administration of God's mystery, which for ages was hidden in God. It was unrevealed to man. And verse 10 tells us a piece of what that is. So that the wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. Just, just take a second on that. Take your life on that one verse. God's administrating a great mystery through you and I as we live our lives together. That this is Christianity. God is displaying something spiritual that was in his heart before time began. Is that, I mean, this can't be like, oh yeah, I read that one. Well, then, no, you didn't read it, <laughs> with all due respect. If that's your attitude about this verse, you ain't read it. You've seen it. You saw some black letters on a page, and that's about all it was. This has to strike the core of our life together, our existence in this life. Before Jesus returns, this, this passage is what he's doing in us. It's why it's so pivotal and of utmost importance that we're all grasping together the foundational principles of our faith every Wednesday night, right? Let's not think lightly about being a community church and coming in with 30 people. That's the wrong way to think about this, right? God is unfolding his purpose in us. He's showing up. He's transforming our life together corporately because we're so different. I don't want to just go to church with a person and give them a high five and maybe text them once in a while, right? We've got to live life together. And and I've got to be known by him. He's got to be known by me. We, we've got to walk in the light together, right? 
That, that goes for all of us, just using that as an example of what it's like to be in that position. But we're, we're going deeper than sci-fi live life together. So at the end of this, day in and day out, we can do that year by year with the many different things that we're doing together. And in that too, it tells us the truth of Christ. So through us, as we say yes, right, together, God turns that folding through us. And I, I want to let go here. His wisdom, His glory, His nature, right, His image and likeness, image in which he created man is being restored to us as we live our lives together. It's going to be displayed through us to the world, yes. Right? The world will know you're Christians by your love. So the world will see something in our midst, in this region, we will see transformation. We can be assured that if we say yes to God's design for his church, as the first century church did, don't you think you'll probably see some of the same fruit they saw? Some of the same unfolding in the culture they saw? I think that holds great promise, right? And that's another place we've erred is in the charismatic world, right? Spirit-filled believers. We've said yes to the gifts. Yes to the prophetic. Yes to the prayer movement. Yes to two hours of worship. Presence of God. Awesome. Hallelujah. Right? And at large, we've overlooked what we're learning on Wednesday nights. We've overlooked the teaching of the apostles. We see the fruit of the apostolic church, but the foundation we stray from. And that's not a wise guy, arrogant statement. It's, it's obvious. Because if it wasn't the case, the American church, we would have pockets. And, and we're seeing them begin all over the nation that... that Believe, let's believe this together. If the church was on crack, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We'd have pockets of harvest, real harvest, people getting saved and drawn to the light, seeing the light of this glorious mystery in the church, seeing the glory of God in the church, not just glory where people shout hallelujah and glory, meaning his beauty, his nature, his image, his likeness, his character, right? Being revealed through people's everyday life all around this region, salt and light. That's the cosmic dynamic to the world. Spiritual revelation to the world of the unsaved. They see something different. They see something that's not of this world. They see something from above here on the earth. That's what we're saying yes to. And again, we can be assured, even through the trials, we all know the trials of saying yes to the Bible. Right? Because we, we have a choice. We can say yes to, to the traditions of men, fabricate our own Christianity, our own brand of Christianity, and just kind of scratch our heads once in a while while no one gets saved. No one gets healed. No one gets delivered. Oh, he has a demon? Send him to the psychiatrist. Listen, that fear is completely unbiblical. Here will be a church, and there are churches all over the earth, especially in persecuted nations. But there will be a church in this nation 
There will be churches in this nation, make no mistake about it, to solve those problems. Right? We know how to deal with those who are oppressed, diseased, demonized, addicted, and afflicted. We will set captives free. That's why he came. For this reason, the Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. In, in, in Acts chapter 1, he hands that ministry off to us. Matthew 28, he hands it over to us. It's been delegated to us corporately. This is spearheading and taking hands. This is what he's going to do. We will see this in the brief, the brief facts of the gospel. And we get really honored that no pretext, nothing behind, the smallest thing being exposed by the light. This sharing my heart. Oh, Lord, I thank you for sharing my own heart. I shared it two weeks ago, right? Got to reveal it. going on that you look at. And I think it's a stretch there. Right? There is no envy. I hope not. Right? But there's a there's a success factor there. And I say that prophetically. I believe he is. I believe our love for one another is going to be demonstrated. The world can Be touched by the same, right? Equipped. And 
So that's almost all I can make of your answering of Calvinism and people who have been converted by it. Um, that's something that God is going to use in us to continue to preach this gospel and do what he has called us so that we reproduce what we are in him. But the little leaven makes the whole lump. So God wants all the old leaven out of our lives. Right? All the old leaven out of our lives so that we can be an unleavened church. Right? Unleavened by this world. Stained by the world. Materialism, the Apostle James says, is this. Keep oneself in sin. That is it. Right? To look after or even little self equals materialism and worldliness. That is not biblical at all. Now, Jesus read that assignment. Perhaps it has stuck. And that's for this time. We say yes to the Spirit at the cross, but we have to get it to the finish line. Jesus said so. All right, Acts 13, we're going there. Acts 13, and we're going to go to 19. Those are very long chapters, so I'm not going to read them all. So Acts 13 and 19, we see, or in Acts 13, we see the first church, right? Antioch. Pretty pretty good place to look to understand the church. The first church plant in Paul's ministry. And we see in Acts 13 and 19 this cosmic reality. And I want to read just the first few verses of each chapter, and we'll go from there. So let's look at Acts chapter 13, verse 1. This is the first church in the Bible, first church plant, and this is what it says. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Something to take note of. There are prophets and teachers at this first church. It gives their names. Verse 2. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me leaders, right? Barnabas and Saul. So these first couple of verses here, we've been joking about the Wednesday night group, so I've got to say it this way. And this isn't at all to categorize the group. It's just something to, you know, we'll chalk that up. So Wednesday night group, in the, in the church of Carmel, Maine, now, now there were at Carmel, in the church that was there, revelators and theologians. <laughs> Baby. Prophets and teachers, revelators and theologians. Those, now let's break this down. Come on. Let's break this down, okay? There were prophets. Yes. There were those who were having spiritual dreams. God was speaking to them in spiritual dreams, as he did all throughout the 66 books of the Bible. God still speaks to people in dreams. That's oftentimes the case in the Bible. So there were dr people having dreams in the first church in the Bible, dreamers, having visions. Never had an open vision. I've had images in my mind. Some of you may have had open visions and images in your mind from the Lord speaking to you. But there were those having dreams and visions. Now, Antioch. And those who prophesied. 
letter to the Ephesians. You encouraging, building up, speaking into people's lives by the Holy Spirit with accurate information in order to build up the people in their faith. Right? So there were prophets there. There were teachers. There were those who were doing the Wednesday nights. Right? Overseeing the establishment of that group of people of foundational truth of the kingdom of God and the results of the results happen. Sound familiar? Come on. Let's just stick to the Bible. In verse 2, here's what else they were doing. They were praying and fasting prayers. Right? So they're having dreams, visions, deep teaching in the Bible. Right? Correct, sound doctrine. Accurate teaching. And they're praying and fasting. And it's clarified. Come on. They understood that the first two men and women, right? That is the true teacher. That's the person walking with them. Correct. Fasting and praying doesn't have its full effect both. So they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. They were having prayer meetings. Abstaining from food to, to get clear in their spirit and hear the Lord and correct them and guide them. Just, again, breaking this down just to make it plain and plain, practical. We do these things. We're saying yes to these things. This way of life. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit set apart leaders says, these aren't the best. In this city of Antioch, in that environment, we read the rest of this chapter, what went down with those stories. God moved in that city. In a simple way to put it, God from heaven moved in that city and poured out his spirit and confronted the strongholds that were in that city. Right? This is what we've got to aim at first, because otherwise we're going to go to town and not really see anything change around us. Right? We want to affect culture and society. We need to read Acts 14, 19, because that's exactly and explicitly what took place, is God dealt with the false spirituality in those two cities. You can call it witchcraft. You can call it sorcery. Both. But God confronts of those cities. I know that sounds crazy to some of us maybe, but stuff still happens today. So we can't overlook it. And by the way, it's so important that we get far more comfortable with spiritual matters in the days we live in. Because this stuff won't get any less. It's only going to increase. This dynamic and the confrontation of the false and the true, the authentic and the counterfeit, is going to continue to clash. Thus, the reason we have to function in spiritual gifts. Spiritual revelation, hearing the voices of prophecy, encouragement, exhortation, faith, miracles, healing, deliverance, right? All of that is of utmost importance. Otherwise, we have nothing to offer this world and this counterfeit spiritual community has lots to offer this world. This way too community, 
right? It's all over this little book. It's something that God's going to deal with. And the way he's going to deal with it is that we've got to be authentic to what he wants to work through us. Right? One of my favorite passages in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 is Paul gives a prophecy to Timothy about the end time conflict or the true and the false character, right? When he speaks to these two magicians in Moses' day, and he says that in the end times, God will make this false spirituality look like Catholicism. Think about that. If God's going to make this witchcraft community, false spirituality, look like Catholicism, what does that say he's going to do in the church? He's going to change through the church. He's going to display the true, authentic love and power of God, true spirituality, by the Holy Spirit, right? Not false stuff, true stuff, authentic. So anyhow, you read this chapter, God confront, uh, they confront a magician in the land. Obviously, he was influencing culture in the land. He was opposing them. There's some serious stuff in this chapter. Paul deals with him, calls him out, says you're full of deceit and fraud, calls him a son of the devil, <laughs> yikes, calls him an enemy of all righteousness. I mean, you read this, right? This is important for us to understand the truth. Yeah. But God deals with false spirituality in that city by letting it look good for him. People get saved, right? Believers get put in place of churches back planted and established, right? The Holy Spirit empowers that church to live their lives out according to the apostles' teachings in that region and area, and they level by advancing culture. People come out of darkness into light, right? Out of demons into light. They get saved. They see a harvest of souls. Turn to Acts 19. You can go deeper in these chapters. Acts 19, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Turn to, we'll, we'll start with just the first few verses. Pick up with end of verse 10. So this is Paul going to Ephesus. Right? We've studied Ephesians in depth on Wednesday nights in our study group. So this is that church that he's going to right here. And I love what this says. He, he goes to Ephesus in verse 1. And the first thing he does, what does he do? Yeah, that's a good question. Right? First thing he does city that he wants to establish a church in and see the kingdom of God come on the earth, right? And save people, change culture, be a witness of the gospel. He finds disciples. What's the first question out of his mouth in Ephesus? Right. What did they say? finds a group of disciples and he says, hey guys, Paul's first question for you in this city, if we are to 
Let me say it this way. In modern language, Paul was thinking, okay, if we are to be of any use in this epicenter of Ephesus, this large city, right? Kind of like New York City or Boston. If, if we are to be of any use here, guys, tell me the first thing. Let's get first things first. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Right? Are you alive in Christ? Or did you recite a prayer and your life never really changed? Or have you received the promise of your Heavenly Father? You know, are you alive in Christ? Is he changing your life? Is he dealing with your heart, your conscience, speaking to you? Have you given your life to him? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And he said, we have no idea such a thing existed. What's the Holy Spirit, right? They said, we know John. We know that whole water baptism thing and forgiveness of sin stuff. But we don't know what this Holy Spirit thing is. So he lays his hands on them. And it says they begin to speak in other languages and prophesy. Same thing in Acts 13. The functions of the Spirit were different. Very important in the first century church to deal with spiritual problems in the land, right? It's not natural to deal with the Spirit in the land, right? The psychiatrists would deal with you about your depression. Usually they'll tell you something about your depression, right? And get their attention. So they were baptized. They battled the repentant soul. They believe that John's message coming they're going to get ready for him and it says verse 7 there's 12 people in that city well if we read the rest of this chapter to think that Paul and 12 people filled with the spirit functioning in the gifts right subjected to one another living life according to God's design absolutely break this region open for the gospel people get saved in droves. A multitude gets saved in the same way of Acts 13, God deals with the false spirits, right? False spirituality, witchcraft, divination, magicians, sorcery, false prophets, false teachers. In 12 cities, this is what God deals with so that the harvest can come in, right? There is a message going forth in the land there's a form of spirituality gripping these cities that wasn't the Lord's. And God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with the false gods of these cities. He'll, he'll do the same thing here. He is doing it. He's bringing stuff to light in our midst and in the region. God will continue to stir and bring things to light so that we can pray accurately and effectively. And we will see things change in our lives. When we say yes to God, his design his spirit and we walk with him you can you feel it you can feel it like things in the prayer battle and all of a sudden you'll see a news clip in the morning you'll see it in some assignment or a work assignment you'll feel it in time okay it's definite it's definite god's dealing with stuff and running with it so again these two communities small little communities being knitted Spirit together in love for one another. According to the teaching of the apostles, life together, living real with one another in love, following the apostolic authority, leadership of Paul, 
and they saw it established. It happened. We did it. We saw it established. Seven Jewish churches that had a response effect, meaning had a spiritual effect on their culture and on the land. And people came out of darkness into light, authentic salvation. Not said a prayer and never repented or changed. Not said the prayer and never really walked with God. I'm talking about people being convicted, right, which is the job of the Holy Spirit. We can't convict the world of their sin. How many of you have tried? Right? And they don't like it. That's, that's not our job. We love people. We count no shame against anyone. We invite people to Jesus. And the conviction issue is the Holy Spirit alone. And he can deal with the conscience of an unbeliever. But we see that happening here where God actually does something with that with that faith and brings them to repentance. Amen. Um, so that's Acts 13 and 19. Just kind of to wrap that up and we'll testimonies from some in the room, but we want to just keep in step with that, and we will continue to seek truth, right? Faithfully to share. Is there a way I could be useful to you in this area? Right? I know I'm cursed. I don't want to be playing golf or whatever it is. Being available to God to be useful to him in that way. And sharing faith. Sharing faith. So, Awesome. That's all I got. Thanks for listening.